morning, everybody. My name is Sarah Jane. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. I know it's been a while. Um, things have been kind of eventful. Um, yesterday, um, I took out the trash. I was kind of busy, like, cleaning the house. And, uh, I had three bags of trash that I had to, uh, take out. And right when I was about to walk out the door, when I was down the steps, I fell pretty hard. And I hurt my ankle very badly. So, um, right now I am trying to just stay put and rest and recover. So that's one of the reasons why I haven't been making a podcast, because I'm trying to just rest. (laughs) Um, so today, I guess, um, it'll just be a little bit of a blog, like a, like a, I don't know, what would you call an audio blog? I don't think that would, see now that's got me thinking, like, what does an audio blog sound like? Like, we have a vlog, which is a video blog, and a blog that's just a, you know, written out. But what is a blog when it's heard, you know? Who cares? So I'm going to tell you the story of what happened. So, um, I was cleaning the house. I just got done doing the dishes and, um, I see that the trash needs to be taken out. So I take the trash out of the bin along with the other bags that I had to take out. So, um, I was going down the stairs. The first flight was fine. The second flight was a little harder just because I couldn't see because of the bags. They were in the way. And then, um, the last flight of stairs, I thought I was almost down there, but I think I may have, like, tripped over two steps. Two or three steps. And, um, what happened is, uh, my ankle kind of twisted inward, um, kind of like towards, uh, the right side of my body and it's my left ankle. So it kind of like twisted inward and then I fell on my hands and knees and everything happened so fast. I knew I was hurt. My ankle was really like in pain but, um, I sat there for a moment to gather myself because if I, I knew that if, you know, I got up quickly, I could hurt myself more. So I ended up, um, just kind of sitting there for a minute, just kind of like, kind trying to process what happened because I was shaken. I was scared. I didn't know what the heck just happened. And so by the time I was able to to move myself. I brought my, uh, leg back to the front of me because it was behind me. And I carefully brought it over, you know, just with my hand. And, um, oh my god, it felt like my ankle was detached from my leg. It, that's what it felt like. Um, I had to place my foot onto the floor, and I didn't put my weight on it. I I just kind of sat there, and I wanted to see if it was broken, and um, something either popped in or out of its place, and it scared me to death, and it hurt so bad. So, um, the only thing that I could think of is, I need to get to my phone. I need to get to my phone. And, uh... So I end up crawling my way back up with my good foot up the steps. And I live on the third floor, so I I live very high up. 
and uh, yeah, somebody did come down, um, and he was a really, really sweet guy. Uh, I don't know his name. I think I might have heard his name. I just don't remember. But um, he was my good Samaritan, basically. Um, he saw that I was hurt. He took out the trash for me. And he helped me up the steps. And um, him and his mom came out and they helped me into my apartment. And so that was very sweet of them. Thank you for that honestly, because my husband was at work, and, um, I was here alone, so, uh, yeah, I called my mom, she told me to call 911, and so they checked everything that I could move, my ankle, I could move my foot, I could move it around, and they just were like, we don't know what's going on, it doesn't look like from what they said, I guess they can't really say much because they're paramedics, but they just basically said that uh, it was just swollen from whatever trauma happened. But, um, so yeah, the first day yesterday was the hardest, the hardest day because I was so emotional at everything. I would just cry out of the blue if I was having a good time. Just kind of... I mean, I wasn't having a good time, but then there were times when I was really silly yesterday. But then I would just, like, cry again when I thought about it. And I was just like, this is torture. I'm the type of person that needs to get things done. You know, I... I have to have the house clean. I have to do certain things. And I don't like being tied down to things. Uh, I like to keep myself busy. And uh, back in the day, I wasn't like that. I, I like to keep myself busy. And sitting down and doing nothing is alien to me now. And so... That, I think, was more painful than what I felt in my ankle <laughs> was because I had to, I have to sit and do absolutely nothing for a while. I have to make sure that this heals properly. And, I mean, I, I have to have my husband help me out now. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I, I'm not saying that that's not okay. But I'm so used to doing things by myself, even as a wife, it, it's hard because I'm the one that cooks, I'm the one that cleans, and, and now my husband has to do it, you know? And um, I'm the one that keeps the house clean, I'm the one that creates the atmosphere in, in the home. So, um, yeah... It's hard. Um, I, I have kind of gotten over it. Um, I'm just sort of just trying my best to keep from moving. If I absolutely have to, like going to the bathroom, I'll get up and take myself there. Or my husband will help me, you know. So, um, today though... I can move it a lot more. Um, I did one time, I have had a broken bone before, so um, I'll tell you that story in a minute. So when I was about 22, 23 years old, um, I was at my grandmother's house, and this is the story of how I fractured my elbow. Um, so, my grandma, my mamaw and papa, we don't call them grandma, so we'll, we'll just we'll just go with the impropriety here and call them mamaw and papa because that's what they are. Uh, that's what the, that's what I call them anyway. So, um, 
my mama and my papa, they live right on Lake Erie. That's where they live. And, um, I love their house. Their house is big and they have their own boats and they have a dock and they have a swing set (laughs) that hung from a tree. And, um, I loved those swings. I grew up swinging on those swings and the tree was so old that my family thought I was gonna break the branch. I never did, but, uh, I would literally have fun for an hour swinging on the swing and I would go really high and I would do tricks on it like a freaking trapeze artist. I was very happy. And I was listening to uh, my iPod as I did it, and that just made me even happier. So, um, I was truly happy swinging on the swing. You know those, uh, there's certain exercises I know that make people happy, like, um, aesthetically happy, um, And swinging on the swing was mine. And, um, it actually works out your whole body. And, uh, I like that. But, um, some people might have that feeling when they run. It just depends on the person. Like, people have a runner's high, meaning they get really happy and they they keep going and they push themselves harder. That was me on the swing. (laughs) That was me when I danced. And that was me when I rode my bike (laughs) and went swimming. Those were my happy exercises that I did um, at the time. And so I was um, having fun. I was kind of like twisting the chains around while I swang and everything. And I ended up like doing one big pump all the way up um like really high so like when you pump your legs you know you go higher so I went high like really high and then I was about to do another pump when I got back when I went backwards but um the chain broke and I landed on my left elbow And, um, at first I didn't know that I had a broken elbow. Like, I didn't feel anything. Um, I got up and I laughed about it because that's just who I am. If I fall and it doesn't hurt, I'm gonna laugh about it. Um, like, haha, silly me sort of thing. And, um, I got up and, um... You know, they checked my elbow and they were like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't look like it's broken. But at some point, it started swelling and we knew, we knew that it was uh, broken. So we went to the hospital, they gave me a splint, and um, that was it. They gave me a Percocet and I was tripping. I was tripping balls. <laughs> yeah, that was... um an interesting day but I had to have it in a uh, sling for a while um, I think it was about two or three weeks and then I had to practice my range of motion which is basically trying to um, move your broken arm or your broken foot um, a little farther each day so it gets used to moving again so That is my story of how I broke my elbow. (laughs) Dang. Uh, And um, I'm doing the same thing with my foot. I'm trying to practice my range of motion. I can wiggle my toes and I can uh, move my ankle a little bit. Um, And it today kind of pales in comparison with the pain. Because I don't... I'm not... I'm not hurting that much, which is good. Which means that the swelling is going down and everything's going to be good. Okay. Today I woke up 
listening to Joyce Meyer preach. Um, I can't remember what she was talking about, though, because I, I think I went back to sleep. But I love her sermon. She's a really good preacher. She's really good at her sermons. Every sermon that I've listened to is very relatable and very um, uh, down to earth, I feel. Because um, this woman went through a lot. Um, I'm not going to go into what she went through. But um, I think the next time I woke up, uh, someone was talking about the, the Apostle Paul and his life. And uh, let me tell you something. Paul was a bad boy, I swear. He was great. <laughs> I I need to like read the whole story of the Apostle Paul. But there are a few things that make him one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible. I have maybe four or five favorite people in the Bible. And each one of them couldn't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> I relate to them a lot. But um, the Apostle Paul, we all know he started off as Saul of Tarsus. And we all know that he used to kill Christians. We all know that he used to, um, you know, kill certain Christians. And um, Jesus turned him around and named him Paul. And he became one of the most famous people in the Bible. So we do know that he has, um, he's performed plenty of, uh, miracles and plenty of things that, uh, we all know in the Bible to be very, um, distinctive and very significant. Um, the few ones that really make me happy I don't know why. I think it's just because the power of God in him is so astounding. But, um, I know that he had gotten bitten by a rattlesnake and he survived it. He got bitten by a snake and he survived it like it was nothing. Uh, he was stoned in a sack. Like they put him in a sack and he was stoned and left for dead. And all of his friends came, um, I think it was Steven and, and some other people, but they were like, dude, are you okay? He gets up and walks away like nothing ever happened. <laughs> he saved people in the prison that he was uh, locked up in. And he did some really interesting stuff. And he had so much faith in God that he... It was like unwavering faith. And um, like even in those times when he was supposed to be injured or supposed to be um, hurt or even killed, he was still that servant of Christ and he had enough faith to just get up and walk away. I would love to have that power when I walk when I walk down the stairs and fall down and hurt my ankle. I would love to be able to have enough faith to get up and walk away from it. Like, shake it off. Let's go. <laughs> I would love to have that much faith. Um, and I think one of the reasons why we Christians don't see that much faith anymore is because we feel like it's hard to obtain. Um, not only that, we don't do the things that are re required of us to gain that much faith. Um, we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word and reading the word and everything. And there's so much more to, to just that. Um, in my life, I have, <laughs> I've struggled with my faith and my, um, trust in God. Definitely, because I'm the type of person that needs to be in control of what I do and in control of my body, in control of my mind. And trusting God is giving up that control. And that's probably one of the most scariest things for, I think, not just me, but a lot of Christians who are so... Um, immersed in their own will and in their own um, c 
control of things is giving that control up to God. Because we know that if we give something up, we're not going to be able to get it back again. Or if we give something up to Christ, we give something up like worry or control of everything. It's scary because we don't know what's going to happen. So when we have control of our own thoughts and our own mind and our own bodies and and our own lives, we know what's going to happen because everything's planned. Well, Jesus has a plan. God has a higher plan. And yes, we don't know it. And that's what's scary is the unknown of what Jesus or what God is going to do with our lives. And, um, yeah. I went from the story of a broken ankle, a twisted ankle, sorry, uh, a twisted ankle to, to speaking a sermon. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, I think I'm just gonna keep going with uh, my favorite people in the Bible. I'm just gonna start talking about it because I think I need to. My next favorite person in the Bible is Elijah the prophet and I have been reading his story a little bit so I know a little bit more than I uh, used to about it Um, I'm not very good at reading the Bible Um, that's something that I have to work on and it's not that I don't like the Bible Um, I love it actually it's just getting into the the habit of reading it almost every day and uh, So I started reading the story of Elijah and how um, he came to be. So I'm going to talk about that real quick. He started out when Ahab and Jezebel got together. They got married. Jezebel was doing some evil stuff. And um, she was making sacrifices to uh, satanic gods and... Um, back in the day, there was a law that um, restricted Israelites and people in Jus- Jerusalem um, from marrying outside of their country, outside of the, their city, because they didn't want any generational curses. They didn't want any uh, faulty bloodlines in the kingdom, basically. So, um, Ahab ends up marrying a woman, uh, outside of Jerusalem and outside of the culture of Judaism. And she brings, um, very evil, evil things and chaos and all of that. Uh, she ends up making sacrifices to, um, her God and famine falls over Israel. And um, not only that, uh, one of Ahab's servants, I think his name is Obadiah. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm really rusty. But um, Obadiah was actually a very dedicated man of God. So all of these prophets, all of these prophets that were sent to be killed by Jezebel, were actually um, hidden in caves. So there were like two caves and there were 50 of them. So Obadiah actually single-handedly saved a hundred prophets and a hundred apostles. And honestly, I'm like, bro, that's really awesome. That's pretty badass. (laughs) Because... This woman, she's evil, and she's very sneaky, and I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it, but bravo, seriously. Um, He would come and uh, feed and water them and try to take care of them as best as he could um, while Jezebel had her reign in, in the kingdom, in 
their home. And uh, Elijah is sent over to Jezebel to confront her, saying that you're serving the wrong god and my god can bring rain. And she counters that. She says, Baal can bring rain and all this stuff. And so she keeps on making sacrifices to Baal. She keeps doing that. Um, Elijah, um, I know at some point in this, he ends up hiding in the woods. And the crows would bring him bread and bring him water and all of that. And then he comes back and... He um, asked God to bring the rain, and Jesus brought the rain. Or God brought the rain. I I don't, I'm not too big on separating God and Jesus when I talk, because they're all the same. So if I say the Holy Spirit, Jesus, or God, I mean all of them, because they are three in one. So, But yes, um, I love Elijah, because... He stood up to to Ahab and he stood up to Jezebel because to me, I feel like if you don't stand up for something, if you don't stand up for yourself or you don't stand up for the people that you love, you lose that. You lose what you're not trying to stand up for. So if you don't stand up for yourself, you lose yourself. If you don't stand up for your family, you lose your family. If you don't stand up for God, you lose God. Um, that's how I feel. That's how I believe. And, I mean, I don't know if it's biblical, but, you know, if you don't stand for something, you're not anything. I mean, I don't know. That's just how I think and whether that's right or wrong I mean God will let me know (laughs) but um yeah that's that's one of the reasons why Elijah is one of my favorite characters not characters Jesus he's a real person (laughs) one of my favorite people in the Bible (laughs) and um not only that like once Elijah's job was done Jesus took him up in a chariot of fire and I love that because he was one of the people that didn't have to die to go to heaven and I love that. Alright, the next one is Peter the Disciple. And the reason why I love Peter is because I think I relate to him more than anybody in the Bible. I could pick some really badass people in the Bible, but do I relate to them? I don't know, but I love Peter. Peter is one of the people that I love very much in the Bible. Um, I feel like I relate to him a lot because I can't keep my mouth shut about what angers me or what I'm passionate about or what I feel like I need to talk about. And there have been times when my mouth has gotten me in trouble. A few times, trust me. It doesn't... The the scripture that says your mouth is a two-edged sword, your tongue is a two-edged sword, uh, it shouldn't be taken lightly. Because it actually is, you know. And, uh, one of the sharpest blades in the Bible, I feel. Not just him. Well, it was, you know, Peter. And I, um, me and my husband were watching, um, a Jesus movie once, not too long ago. And, um, it was called Jesus of Nazareth. I think it was from the 80s or 90s. And, um... It showed that, like, when Jesus met Peter and how Jesus was kind of drawn to him. Now, Peter, he had anger issues. He had a big mouth. He didn't care about who he let know when he was upset about something. And, uh, he was a fisherman, so, uh, 
at the time when Jesus met Peter, they he was having some bad luck with catching fish. So when that happened, uh, I think Jesus, you know, performed a miracle and ended up like giving Peter and his crew lots of fish to sell. So, um, but I love Peter just because he's that person that has a good heart, but acts impulsively. He cut off a soldier's ear in, in the name of Jesus because they were going to take Jesus away and crucify him. And, um, I just feel like he's a, he's the fighter. He's the fighter of the group, um, out of the 12 people that, um, Jesus led. And I'm a fighter. I, I can't stand when people have, uh, messed up morals. Uh, (laughs) I can't stand it when someone blasphemes my God. I can't stand when, you know, someone, you know, if it's unrighteous, I gotta speak out against it, basically. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, maybe God made me that way. But, um, I'm the person that's gonna, you know, go down swinging. (laughs) It's interesting to see how Jesus picks his disciples. He doesn't pick the most perfect and most high up and rich and uppity person. He actually picks the people that need him the most. And he looks at their imperfections and turns them into perfection. Just like Peter, like I said, you know, Peter saved all of Rome. He he saved Rome. That dude is amazing to me. He saved all of Rome. And who thought a man who denied Christ three times being confronted by Roman soldiers would save Rome? A guy who cut off a Roman soldier's ear to protect his Messiah. He saved all of Rome. You know, this guy used to get into fights. He used to run his mouth all the time and he had the worst anger issues that we probably have seen nowadays, you know. But back in the day, you probably haven't really seen that that much. But Jesus saw the passion that Peter had and he picked him. And he's like, you know what? I want you, you know, and... The one thing that I remember in, like, the, I used to have, like, um, these cartoon Jesus movies. I don't know how we got them, but, um, I would sit and watch them because my mom had them, like, on display. (laughs) And I remember one time, now that I think about it, it's kind of interesting how two and, like, two thoughts come together. But, um, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? He said, master, you know, I love you. Messiah, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And you'd think that a man who denied Christ three times wouldn't be worthy of, of being a a disciple anymore. But the thing is, is I think Jesus knew that he was going to do that. So before Jesus went on the cross, he asked him, do you love me three times? So each of the times that Peter denied knowing Jesus, it was canceled out by the three times that he said that he loved him. Jesus is a very clever person. He always will be. He is a very clever God. And he knows things that we don't know ourselves. He knows when we're going to do something. And we don't know. It won't come up in our head until 
it happens and that's one of the reasons why I serve Jesus is because he knows more about myself than I know myself it's not about being raised in church it's not about you know knowing that Jesus loved me ever since I was two it's not about me accepting Christ when I was eight years old. It's not about that. It's about Jesus knowing where you're going. It, it, it's very scary, but it's also comforting to know that Jesus is there even in the tomorrow. And that's one of the reasons why I serve my God is because he knows and he sees and I don't have to worry about it. And I'm pretty sure Peter was worried when he spoke those words. Because, of course, if I did that, it would break my heart. And I know it broke Jesus' heart when he heard it. But Jesus also knew that he was going to do it. And so Jesus decided to take care of it before he died. If that is not a fatherly action, I don't know what is. Okay, now next is King Jehu. So, picking up where we left off with Elijah. Elijah fulfilled God's plan in the Old Testament. Okay, when it came to standing up to Jezebel. Now, this uh, King Jehu, uh, we don't know much about him in the Bible as far as I know. Um, but, this guy is crazy. If you thought Paul, well, you know, Paul is probably one of the craziest and most faithful person in the Bible. But, okay, who comes into a close second is King Jehu. Okay? King Jehu found out that Jezebel was serving her God instead of Christ. Instead of uh, God at the time. And making sacrifices and killing prophets and all of this stuff. So, he decides to actually run up on her at her house, right? And she knows that he's about to come. He's about to kill her. So she puts on her makeup. She's ready to seduce him. Ready to seduce him. Ready to confront him and everything. She's ready to do what she does best. So, when he actually comes, he, she comes out in her best silks, in her best dress, in her best makeup and jewelry, and confronts him, saying, you are doing wrong. You're the one that's doing the wrong thing here. You're killing someone. You're about to kill me. And Jehu doesn't care. Jehu knew what Jezebel had done. She was sacrificing babies, sacrificing people, killing prophets, all of this. And in Israel and in Jerusalem, that was not okay. You were not allowed to do anything like that. So, he ends up throwing her to the dogs. And the dogs eat every bit of her except for her hands and her lips because they have done so much evil. And after he kills her, he, he goes into her house and starts eating her food. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jehu was a bad dude. <laughs> you didn't want to mess with King Jehu. He upheld the righteousness of Christ. He upheld that, that mantle of righteousness for God. Because um, when it comes to bloodlines and when it comes to um, 
generational inheritances. You can't have a curse on the land. You can't have a curse in the bloodline, especially a royal bloodline as King Ahab's. Ahab did a dumb thing, okay? He wasn't supposed to marry Jezebel, but he did. And that's that wasn't okay, especially in the time where um, Israel and Jerusalem were trying to keep things holy and trying to keep things in order. But yes, that's the story of King Jehu. <laughs> it's a very small story, and I, like I said, I still have to learn and and read it all. But King Jehu was a bad dude. I love him because he just didn't care. He didn't care what she was saying. She didn't care what the 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 demons were saying out of her mouth. He already knew. He already knew what happened and he already knew that this woman was demon possessed. He already knew that Jezebel was doing the work of the devil. And it was so simple for him to just kill her and execute her for the sake of the land and the sake of the bloodline being holy again. Okay, the last one is John the Baptist. And coming from the same movie that I watched with Peter, um, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus Christ. Um, and there were just so many beautiful things that I found out about John the Baptist. My God, I love that man so much. <laughs> I, I love John the Baptist just because he was that man. He was that man that served God relentlessly and did not stop. He would gather people at a pond or a lake or any type of body of water. And he, people would flock to hear his sermons. People would flock to t- for them to, you know, hear him listen and talk about Jesus and how, you know, he was going to save them and everything. And he never stopped. He never stopped even when he died. And I love that and I admire that. Um, about him and um, one of the main memories that I remember that I've seen in movies and I've read in the Bible that um, when Mary and Elizabeth were pregnant you know with John the Baptist and, and Jesus that when they actually met John the Baptist actually jumped for joy in the womb of Elizabeth And I was just like, that is so beautiful. It's just so beautiful to me because even in the womb, John the Baptist knew who the Messiah was. And I know that he probably has lost that memory. Of course, you know, in the womb, you don't really remember anything. You don't have that capability of memory. But as he grew up, he... He always loved Jesus. He even baptized Jesus. And he felt like he was unworthy to baptize his own cousin. And uh, I don't know, maybe John the Baptist had, you know, his own suspicions of his cousin being the Messiah. But, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, his story kind of starts out where uh, King Herod's son, and I think he uh, had taken on his name as well, but um, King Herod's son was adulterating. He was um, he, he was sleeping with his brother's uh, wife at the time. And so he was he wasn't doing good things basically he wasn't uh adultery was a very serious crime 
in uh, those times. And John the Baptist actually called him out on it. And for someone who doesn't have any reputation um, as far as royalty goes, that was very dangerous for John the Baptist to do. But he did it anyway because he knew that somebody had to convict him of that sin. And King Herod, uh, his son, I, like I said, I, I'm really rusty with the Bible. So if I don't get something right, you are more than welcome to correct me. You are more than welcome to put in your two cents. But, and one of the reasons why I want to talk about it, because I'm a little uneducated, is because I want people to know that I'm not a perfect Christian. Even a Christian can slip up and not know the stories of the Bible sometimes. And that's okay, you know? It, it doesn't make you perfect when you read the Bible and you know verse for verse, you know? I just know what I've read and I know what I've seen and that's perfectly fine to go by that until you actually know for certain, you know? Um, but like I said, if I, if I get any of this story wrong, let me know. Seriously. But the queen that he had with him, his uh, brother's wife, forgot her name, but she, she didn't like John the Baptist at all. She's like, you shouldn't have let him confront you like that. You're the king. You uphold that authority. You do something about this man. You do something about this man. Now, King Herod's son, he kind of let it go. He kind of let um, John the Baptist do his thing. Because even though he didn't necessarily believe in Jesus Christ, he didn't want the people to be angry with him by putting this man in jail. But around the time of King Herod's birthday, he um, fell in love with his brother's wife's daughter. I don't know her name either. <laughs> but, uh, so she started dancing for him and, and all of that stuff. And after he, she danced for him, he said, whatever your heart desires, I will give to you. And this is around the time when John the Baptist was put in the dungeon and put in jail because of what, uh, he said to, um, his girlfriend. I'll just say his girlfriend because I don't want to say his brother's wife all the time. They didn't want to be convicted. And conviction is a very powerful thing and you also should be really um, thankful for it. And trust me, I hate conviction. Trust me, I do. I hate the way it feels, basically. It, it's not that I hate conviction and what it stands for absolutely not I as far as that goes I love conviction conviction is something that pushes you to do the righteous thing and the right thing but as far as how it feels oh my god I hate it <laughs> I hate the way it feels so uh the his brother's wife and King Herod was feeling that conviction. They were feeling that conviction because John the Baptist didn't shut up. John the Baptist did not care if he hurt your feelings. As long as he spoke the truth, that's what he did. And his uh, girlfriend's daughter went to her mother and 
she whispered in her ear and she says, I want the head of John the Baptist. And Herod turned pale. He didn't want to kill John the Baptist. He did not want to kill John. But because of this Jezebelian spirit that was in the household, he... I wouldn't say he was forced because I don't believe you can force anybody to do anything unless they submit, you know what I mean? In in certain things, you know what I mean? So when he ended up hearing that, he's like, no, I don't want to do that. But they're like, you promised, you promised. And he ends up killing John the Baptist, beheading him. All because he confronted what was wrong in Herod's life. And all because he wanted Herod to live a righteous life. And after that, um, I know that there were people trying to avenge the, the life of John the Baptist and... I mean, even now, people are still, you know, talking about it in sermons and everything. And I I love John the Baptist. He's an amazing person. He died doing what was right. And he died doing God's will. He was a martyr. And we all know that martyrs, when they die, they're immediately in the presence of God. They're immediately in heaven. Well, I just want to thank you for listening and coming so far in this uh, little conversation that I've had with you about the Bible while my (laughs) ankle heals. (laughs) Anyway, um, you can always reach me at Rogue Radio 4 on Twitter and Rogue Radio 4 on Instagram. Uh, You can always drop me a message. You can always, you know, talk to me. I am a recovery coach, so I do look forward to people opening up and talking about their lives with me. Um, I am a good listener. So anyway, thank you for listening. Have a good day. Love you.